Welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. I'm Bill Wastner. With me is Abigail Garfalo. Abigail is an extension educator in environmental and energy stewardship. Welcome, Abigail. Hi, Bill. How's it going? Pretty good. We're going to talk about bats, and that we've been hearing a lot about bats lately, and so uh, it seems like a really uh, top-of-mind question uh, to come up today. And so why don't you tell us about bats, and in particular, if you could, bats in Illinois? Yeah, so uh, bats are a mammal, just like a deer or a raccoon or squirrel or human, um, but they are specifically of the order Chiroptera, which means hand wings. So they have this uh, membranous wing uh, or wings that allows them capable of true flight. And they're actually the, the only mammal capable of true flight, which is pretty cool. Um, and Illinois, we have about um, 13 species of bats. Um, our bats don't get super large. There may be about one to three inches in size for their body and their wingspan doesn't get any larger than maybe nine to 11 inches. Um, and all of our bats in Illinois eat insects, which I think is pretty cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. So mosquitoes and what any other particular types of yeah. um, uh, insects that they prefer? All kinds. They like moths too. Um, and they the the insects that they eat are just so beneficial to humans in my head. Um, I mean, uh, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale did a research study on uh, the bat impact on uh, like insect uh, their insect eating or behaviors and how found that the like globally they provide about one billion dollars of suppression in insects that could wow. damage corn crops, which is incredible. So um, I'm a big fan of the bats. Yeah. So. Uh, they they definitely are helpful to humans. There are, of course, some concerns in at least in the public mind about bats and public health, uh, rabies or other concerns. Can you address those? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I always like to say never touch a bat, and I even recommend don't touch wildlife in general. Um, it's just not. Um, recommended for human health or, or health aspects and for the wildlife's health as well. Um, in Illinois, we do test for rabies among bat species. Um, and it is found that of the all the bats tested, about three to five percent come back with rabies. So it is in the population in a small amount. Um, and but bats are only a danger to humans if they if you come in contact with their blood or saliva, which is really rare in the U.S. Um, and it's important to remember that bats don't really want to interact with humans. Um, they're perfectly fine eating insects, roosting without human interaction. But that interaction occurs when they don't have a place to go that's human free. Um, and so that does happen sometimes. Um, I'm assuming you're specifically referring to bats and COVID. Um, well, yeah, that's also a concern. <laughs> right. Um, which is like that was like the hot topic this year and, and still is, is, um, you know, that uh, the rumor mill was saying that bats uh, in a being eaten in a wildlife market in Wuhan, China, was the origination of uh, COVID-19. The reason we're all kind of in this uh, lockdown situation and um, that there are a lot of uh, facts that make that uh inference feel uh, really true. Um, and so, yes, wildlife markets are a really hot 
a hot spot for um, exchange of blood and saliva of living and dead animals that come in close contact with each other. Um, people who work in these markets or purchase animals from the exotic animal trade or even cook these animals are at high risk of exposure for a multitude of diseases. And um, in China specifically, the horseshoe bat is a natural wildlife reservoir for um, SARS like coronaviruses. Um, and, but there are also other species in China that are also hosts for um, coronaviruses, which is such as pangolins. Um, and so basically what the research says is there's just more research that needed to be done to pinpoint this exact point because there's no conclusive studies that says the strain of COVID-19 specifically came from bats. Um, and essentially what I really just like to note when it comes to this is it's about under, it's not about understanding who or what it came from. It's about, you know, understanding the vector that made it possible. So activities that allow for exchange of blood and saliva and living and dead wildlife can cause these spillover events in which a, you know, a host species um, transfers a disease to a new species, which is what happened with COVID-19. So I just always like to say, again, don't touch wildlife and leave it alone if you do see like an injured animal um, or let a professional take care of it if it's something you're really concerned about. Good advice. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's go back from the exotic to the more mundane. Uh, yeah. Bats in houses have been an issue. I remember dealing with that, oh, 25 years ago now. And it, it's a problem. What, what do you recommend? Yeah, so uh, again, bats don't want to be near you, but sometimes it happens. They end up in your house by accident, or maybe their nearby roosting spot was no longer habitable. Um, and so again, don't touch it, first and foremost. Um, and if it's in your house and it's flying around, stay really calm. Don't try to knock it out of the air or catch it. You're just going to make it more disoriented. Um, and uh, Naturally, it feels like the bat might be trying to attack you um, because their natural behaviors in enclosed spaces are just um, to, to make sharp turns while flying and swoop. Um, and that's just their natural behaviors. So uh, if it's flying around in your house, what you want to do is confine it to a room with outdoor access. Um, keep it confined to that room and open a window or a door to leave and then just leave the room um, and just give it some time to escape. Um, it might be disoriented, so it may take a few hours. Um, so yeah, just kind of give it some time and, and it doesn't want to be in your house. That's a kind of a scary place for it. Um, now, if it does bite you or you were concerned that it bit, uh, you know, another family member or a pet, you should call local animal control to capture it um, because it's it just to be sure you should test it. it. It'll be tested for rabies and then you'll have some peace of mind um, that, you know, that's not a concern for you. What about lights? Should we... Um... Uh, obviously during the day it doesn't much matter, but if at night, um, does turning on the lights help? Not exactly. I mean, it's, it's doesn't obviously want to be, it, it can see like, so it's not, bats aren't blind. That's a, um, kind of a, a myth. Um, so the, the lights don't really like have an effect on it or not. Essentially, it just doesn't want to be in your house. Okay. Um, and so that it wouldn't be less acceptable to them by having a brightly lit room not really i mean it it doesn't want to be in your house either way whether it's okay. dark or not it's it smells too much like you so or humans uh, in general got it. um now if you do have a bat roosting in your house um it's important to remember bats are protected in Illinois. So it does require a permit to remove, especially if it's like a whole colony. But if it's just like a single bat or um, it's a time of year that 
um, the bats aren't like nursing their young, you can do something called exclusion, um, which can be kind of a fun activity if you got some friends. You know, you can just go out and find the place. Uh, maybe grab a couple of lawn chairs, a couple of beverages, and hang out with your friend trying to find where the bat is leaving your house. Um, and once you've identified that spot, you can just create a one-way door. So um, this can be done by putting mesh over the opening. Uh, maybe it's in the roof or uh, maybe the chimney or the, the holes in, in siding, things like that. And essentially, you just put the mesh over and you uh, tack it at the top. And imagine it like a one-way cat or dog door. The 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 um, bat can get out, but it can't get back in. Um, and then there, you've just kind of solved your problem. So cool. What are some threats to bats? Yeah, so the biggest one um, for most wildlife actually is habitat destruction. A big reason we're losing bats is um, uh, is is that and also for we're just seeing more human and bat interactions because of this habitat destruction so um, something that you can do is um, uh, build some bat houses and so there's some really cool plans online that you can just google bat houses and build one it's kind of like a birdhouse but a little flatter um, or you can if you're looking at planting a new tree look at planting a shaggy bark or an exfoliating tree um, those are bark or trees that have bark that kind of peels away to reveal the inner bark layers um, things like bald cypress, birch, um, a shagbark hickory. Uh, there's a whole list that uh, the fall 2020 Illinois Extension Gardeners Corner had this uh, last uh, issue, and I just think it was it was a really cool feature. So I recommend checking that out. Um, the second really big threat to bats, especially in North America, is white nose syndrome. It's a fungus um, that essentially thrives in cave-like temperatures. Um, and what it does is it infects the bats that are hibernating, and it causes them to rouse and stir during hibernation. So essentially, um, bats before they hibernate, they're eating a bunch of insects, building up a bunch of fat, um, and then that way they have enough fat built up to survive the winter. Well, if they rouse in the middle of their hibernation, um, they're burning all that fat early before there's food available. And so they end up actually starving before winter is over and the insects come back. And so white nose syndrome has killed millions of bats in North America. Um, and the biggest way to help with that is, especially now with people exploring nature more often, it's a safe activity, right? To go outdoors, socially distanced, um, it's not in large crowds, um, but the more people that are outside, the more chance of this spread to occur. Um, and so the biggest way to prevent it is to just clean your shoes and equipment when going from site to site. Um, this is good whether you're going to a cave or not to prevent any transfer of anything from site to site. Um, so just be sure to clean your boots and other equipment when you visit bat roosting sites or any other natural area. Sounds good. And that leads us right into our next question that we always ask, and that is additional resources. Where can we go to get more information? Yeah, so the Illinois Natural History Survey is one of my favorite resources for bats. Um, they have just really cool bat information. Um, they even support a, um, a whole website called IllinoisBats.org um, that's on bat conservation. Um, and it's just a great site to learn more about them and the research that's going on. Um, and then my other favorite site for wildlife in Illinois in general is called WildlifeIllinois.org. Um, and uh, that's where you can see a lot of information on like, what do I do if I come in contact with a bat? Um, what 
kind of bats do we have here in Illinois? Um, how do I even look for, like, what's a way to support them? Things like that. And so um, the Natural History Survey and Wildlife Illinois are just both really great resources on bats. Very good. Well, for another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources, this has been Bill Wastner and Abigail Garfala. <laughs>